Acts chapter 12, and we're going to be in the first um, 19 or so verses. And I just want to kind of step through the scripture and, and read it and kind of see what it, what it says, what the, what the context is, and uh, what it speaks to us today. So beginning in verse 1, it says, Now about that time Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Where it says about that time, if you look right before that, uh, the church is taking an offering to send. Uh, there's been a, a famine, so they're, they're taking this offering up. So Luke is prefacing this. Uh, saying about this time that these previous verses were happening when the offering was being taken, that Herod began to do this. Now this is Herod Agrippa I. This is Herod the Great's grandson. Uh, I know sometimes the names in the Bible, they use the same name a lot and we get confused who it is, but uh, this is the second Herod. Um, See in verse 2, it says, Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Now this is James and John, the sons of Zebedee, uh, two of the uh, disciples that Jesus called to be his apostles. And this being done under Roman law, uh, when it says James was killed with the sword, most likely he was beheaded. Now under Jewish law, if it was by the sword, he would have been run through because it was against their culture to desecrate the body by beheading. But we believe since this was Roman that he was beheaded. Verse 3, And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. The Herod family didn't have a great, great history. Herod the Great, you remember he tried to kill the infant Jesus by killing all the babies born there in, in Bethlehem in the region. Well, now here his grandson is. He's, uh, he's killed James. And since the Jews, at this time, the, the gospel and the church is spreading enough that the Jews are really getting annoyed. They don't like this thing of the people of the way, as they were called at this time. Um, and so to see this Roman leader uh, executing one of the leaders of the church, that pleased them because in their mind this is a heretical movement and somebody's doing something to help silence the church. So Herod, since he's trying to please both Rome and the Jews, he says, well, they like this. Let's get their leader. So they go, he goes after and gets Peter. Uh, you see there's really no mention of the charges other than he's a, um, a leader in the church that supposedly is causing these problems. But you see, it was uh, during the days of unleavened bread. That's what we would call the Passover. And you couldn't execute someone during the Passover. So Herod had him arrested and put in prison. If it hadn't been the Passover, it would have probably been 
like James where he would have been executed quickly. But uh, he was placed in prison, that's in verse 4, so when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Four squads of soldiers, you've got four soldiers per squad, so you've got 16 soldiers assigned to this dangerous terrorist of a man, Peter. Of course, you know I'm being facetious. Peter was no danger other than his mouth sometimes being quicker than his brain. Um, but what they did, they took these four squads and the squads would rotate out so there was at least four people tending to Peter at any time. Uh, we'll read later on, he had one chain to each arm and then they would be at least the other two standing outside the door watching. So they, they really wanted to be sure that he didn't get away. So Herod had him uh, thrown in prison and he says, well, after Passover, uh, we'll deal with him and uh, execute him. Verse 5, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. The church there knew that Peter had been arrested, so they were gathering. Uh, we would probably call it cottage prayer meetings, but of course they met in homes then, so they were meeting together praying for Peter that he would be released. Verse 6, and when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. So it's the night before Peter is to be executed. He's chained to a guard, one on each side, and he's asleep. What this is called is faith, peace, and comfort. How many, knowing that your execution is imminent the next day, are going to fall asleep? I'd say not many of us. Um, we don't know if he got a last meal or anything. It doesn't say, but he was asleep. And can't help but wonder if the two soldiers chained to him, were they asleep? And then were the guards outside the door, they may have been asleep also, because we're going to see in a few minutes they got in trouble because Peter got out. Uh, so verse 7, Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Now the word angel... That can be, that can just means messenger. It doesn't always mean a supernatural host from heaven. But I don't know many messengers other than supernatural messengers from God that have a bright light shine around them. So you may hear an argument sometime, well, this is somebody that just got into prison to break him out. No, this was an angelic being from God. And Peter is so sound asleep, he doesn't know what's going on. So you can imagine the angel prodding him, Peter, wake up. Wake. We've done that before, haven't we? Yeah, some of us sleep pretty soundly. Yeah. So you can just imagine, can't get Peter to wake up. And then we know that this is supernatural because the chains fall off of him. 
Uh, there's no mention of, well, we had to take the key or anything. They weren't unlocked. They just fell off his hands. Verse 8, And the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. Peter thought he was dreaming. He was so at peace and soundly out of it that even when the angel woke him and told him to get up and get ready, he still thought this was a dream. Um, but once he got on into town, I guess he got good and woke up and said, no, this is, this is real. This is the real thing. Uh, verse 10, when they were past the first and second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. Now, let's, let's look at a few things right here. When the angel comes in, to the, um, comes in and wakes up Peter, who causes the chains to fall off? That's, yeah, the Lord, the angel, caused the chains to fall off. Then he tells Peter to get up and dress yourself. Who dresses Peter? Himself. Okay? He gets, and then he gets up and he follows. He walks on his own. Uh, when they got to the iron gate, it opened of its own accord, either the angel or the Lord, or you could say both, it swung open. So, what I want us to see here, God expects us to do the things that we can do for ourselves. Does that make sense? That there's a, there's a thing I saw on Facebook, it says, God is in control, but don't lean on the shovel and expect a hole to appear. He expects us to be doing something. Now, the things that Peter couldn't do, the chains and the iron gate, God took care of those. But this is where it comes back to us at times where we have to, um, to put forth the effort. We know we, we say, well, uh, Scripture does say, be still and know that I'm the Lord. And we also have learned in experiencing God, see where God is working and join Him there. But what do we do in the meantime? We don't sit still. We're still busy working and doing for the Lord. Uh, verse 11, And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Now, John Mark, he will become a big character later in Acts as he's traveling with uh, Paul doing missionary work. But Peter knew to go to this house. We don't know um, from this immediate scripture why he knew to go there or if he knew this was a common meeting place. But anyway, he went to uh, Mary's house 
And it says in verse 13, Peter knocked at the door. Well, I'm sorry, I got a page, my pages sticking together. Peter knocked at the door of the gate. A girl named Rhoda came to answer. So we see that John Mark's mother must have been somewhat wealthy. She had a servant girl whose job was to answer the door. Uh, she apparently had a house large enough for people to come together and pray. So this was a, a pretty good sized house. Then it says in 14, when she, when she, speaking of Rhoda, recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. What did Rhoda not do? She didn't open the door. Peter's knocking at the door. She hears it's him. She's thrilled that he's not in prison. Instead of letting men, she runs to tell those that are praying, it's Peter at the door. Now, you, there are some funny things in the Bible. I know we don't always think it, but I think this is pretty funny that Rhoda uh, doesn't open the door, but she goes in and tells the others. Um, verse 15 the, the crowd that's praying said to her, you're beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so, so they said, it is his angel. So you've got the church meeting together, praying, specifically praying for Peter to be released. Rhoda comes in to tell them, Peter's at the door. Oh, you're crazy. He's not at the door. He's in jail scheduled to be executed in the morning. Leave us alone so we can pray for Peter. That's, that's what's going on here. And they said, it is his angel. This is one of those Jewish things that we Westerners don't always pick up on. I had to do some research on it. Apparently in the Jewish culture, they believe that every person had a guardian angel and that oftentimes after someone passed away the guardian angel would appear and that they would sometimes take the appearance of the person whom they were guarding so in this case they were saying well you're seeing peter's guardian angel he must be dead it's not peter how can it be so what's peter during this time Verse 16, he's still knocking at the door. Uh, bless his heart, at least he didn't give up. It says, now Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. They were astonished. Exactly. Exactly. We could camp out here all night. They were met together, meeting together, praying, praying for Peter to be released. But they were not expecting him to be released. They were expecting that he would get up the next morning, he would be executed, and that was that. What if we take this prayer list we have tonight. What if we take these names and say, we'll take the lost list and say, well, 
We want to pray for these people. We want to see them saved, but that old rascal right there, he's, he's on up in years, and I just don't think he's ever going to change. And, and this one here, well, we, we went to visit them the other day, and they just didn't have anything to do with, with the Bible or anything. And, and these sick people, uh, this, this cancer, this is an awful thing. And, you know, we want them to, to be comfortable, and, but there's no way they're going to get any better. Is that a God-honoring prayer? No. Exactly. He's going to smother in that box if we don't let him out. When we pray, we need to pray expectantly. Expectantly. When we come into this house for worship or for Bible study or for prayer, we need to come in here expectant expecting that God is going to do something. Don't come in expecting the same old, same old that we always do. Now, I'm not talking at all about orders of worship. I'm not talking about anything that we do as a tradition. But don't come in and expect, well, we're going in here at 11 we're going to do this. We're going to hear the preacher preach and 12 o'clock I'm out the door. If God shows up, which he should be here, if, if believers are here, God is here. We don't have to invite his presence because he's already here with us because he dwells within us. But don't come in here thinking, well, this is another Wednesday night. Let's go hear what we got to say and go home. God can move on a Wednesday night. God can move on a Sunday morning. God can move on a Sunday night. And they Five other days, too, he can move, even when we're not here. Expect the unexpected with God. Jesus performed all sorts of miracles. The apostles taught about this to all the church, and yet here is the church. These people may not have known Jesus directly, but they were under the tutelage of the people who walked with Jesus, who were telling them directly what all he did, and they were already becoming complacent. In the prayer. Right, right. And, and of course, this group may not have seen the risen Lord, but they knew people that had seen him. They maybe were one degree of separation away from that. And they had already become complacent. They were astonished. Does anybody else's Bible have a different word than astonished there? Amazed? Was, is that what yours has? Amazed? Any, astounded? Amazed, astounded, astonished. These are, these are weighty words, aren't they? You know, it doesn't take much to amaze me. It doesn't take much to astonish me. But I believe if I were... If I were here praying right now for peace in Ukraine and my phone had an alert come on and say, Putin has pulled his forces out of the country, I would be astonished because in my heart, I'm not praying expectantly that that's going to happen immediately. But can it happen immediately? It sure can. It sure can. <laughs> If you were with us um, last Sunday morning when we kind of did our wrap-up about Return to Me, 
one of the biggest things we identified that our church needs to do is pray. And so I'm going to go a step further and say not only do we need to pray, but we need to pray expectantly. Pray expecting Him to answer. Because if we're not praying to expect Him to answer, and I'm talking to myself, I'm, I am so bad to say, oh, God, help this person, heal this person, and I, I hope He does, but do I really expect Him to? Not always. Because I, I'm, I'm just like that. I think these people have had cancer for years, or, or they've got this prognosis. But I need to be revived to think that, yes, God, you're still in control, that you can do this. Oh, let's uncamp from that and move on. Uh, like I said, we could stay on that all night. Uh, verse 17, this is speaking of Peter, says, But motioning to them with his hand to keep silent, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, Go tell these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. So he comes in the house, and this is sometime during the night. I don't know what time exactly, but the people in Mary's house are still up praying. Um, and they become astonished, astounded, amazed, all these words. And so they're celebrating, and Peter's saying, Calm, hold it down. Of course, people around them are asleep, and he doesn't know if they've discovered that he's missing yet. For all he knows, the Roman soldiers are behind him somewhere looking, where has Peter gone? So he calms them down. He tells them what happened. And so we have it recorded here. And he says, go tell these things to James and to the brethren. Now we've seen one James at the beginning of the chapter that was executed. That was James, son of Zebedee. This James is James, the brother of Jesus, the Lord's brother who wrote the book of James. He, um, Peter had been the leader of the church kind of up to this point, but I think he's seen something in James that he thinks, you know, he's got good leadership abilities. So James is being uh, brought up in kind of in Peter's place as the, as the leader, but go tell James and the brethren. Um, we don't know why the other apostles aren't mentioned. Uh, these could be elders in the church, these brethren. Or it could just be anybody who's a Christian. Go tell them the good news that God has let me out of prison. It could be that simple. It says, and then he departed and went to another place. He got out of town before um, he could get caught again. Verse 18, then as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers about what had become of Peter. The praying church that night, they were uh, jubilant exceedingly. And now we have right the opposite with the soldiers. I'd say they felt a deep dread because they knew what hap would happen to them knowing that the prisoner had escaped. If, if I remember correctly, if you were a Roman soldier and the prisoner under your care escaped, you would receive the punishment that the prisoner would receive. So they knew that this was a, a bad situation. Uh, 19, but when Herod had searched for him, he sent everyone out to find Peter. Uh, they couldn't find him. He examined the guards. He may have found out that they were all asleep. We don't know. He examined the guards and commanded that they should be put to death. 
So they received the punishment that Peter would have received. And even if Peter had not been sentenced to death, I wonder if this wasn't such a high profile thing for Herod that he wouldn't have had them put to death anyway because he doesn't get now to impress the Jews and the Romans for executing uh, the leader of the church. When I read this, especially right here, I, I thought of, well, there was another instance, because this was the, the third time that Peter had been in prison. There was another time when the angel let the gates, the cells open, and the guard there was about to fall on his own sword and kill himself, and uh, I believe it was Peter then said, don't, don't do that, we're all still here. And I, I had the thought, well, I wonder, why is it in that case that God spared the guard and he was witness to and became a believer, but in this case, he released Peter a different way and these guards were executed? That's kind of an open-ended question. I don't know. I just kind of saw the parallel there between them. But that's interesting to note that I guess we could say that God doesn't work in the same way every time. Um, he, he chose to do this differently. Okay. Well, I'll stop um, there. The rest of that verse just says that he went down from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. So Peter went on from, uh, from there and stayed uh, in Caesarea. Uh, he didn't want to go back and be arrested again. Uh, so with all that, uh, is there any questions or comments you may have tonight? If you have a question, I'll refer them to my chauffeur in the back. Yeah, Rick. God can, God can do what he wants to because he's God. It's, you know, that simple. And everyone has a day appointed um, to die. Now, we, we do read in Scripture that some people die prematurely because they have um, breached God's law. They have been, you know, sometimes believers. It says this is why many among you have fallen asleep, basically, that you have brothers and sisters in Christ who have already died because they were not faithful as they should have been. Consequence, yes. And then also we're to make intercession for those so that um, someone sick, their life may be extended. It's, this is one of those things we could really get in a, a lot of circular reasoning because I'm like you, I don't know why sometimes God will say, I'm going to heal this person, but not this person, or I'm going to do this, but not that. His will is so beyond us, but we still, we still continue to pray. And just like your, 
your sister. I hope that hope and pray that the the cancer is removed from her. We know as far as our minds go that that's kind of out there, but God can do it. Yeah, and think about that. I, I think about about her and, and and other members we have here that have been in the hospital and the witness they have been to people. Uh, you know, look at the apostles when they went to prison. They would be arrested for sharing the gospel. They would be put in prison and convert the jailers. You know, we think of going to prison as an awful, awful thing, but God used it. Joseph being sold into slavery was an awful terrible thing, but God used it. So he does give us strength through these circumstances, but he'll use it for his glory. We may not see it, but he'll certainly do that. Yeah. Thank you, Rick. Okay. Yeah, Holly. You're exactly right. Exactly right. Henry Blackaby, when in experiencing God, he he talks about those mile markers that we don't see when they're happening, but maybe 5, 10, 15 years down the road, we look back and say, you know, that was God. I didn't know it at the time, but that was him. That's very good. That's a very good uh, observance. I don't usually like surprises, but surprises from God are usually good. <laughs> I, I want to be surprised and amazed at what he'll do. And you know, the Ukraine, something, I don't know why, if God just picked that piece of land or what, but once the Soviet Union fell, Christianity just boomed there. Uh, do y'all remember, uh, they've been here twice now, the, the musicians that came from Kiev a, a couple years ago, uh, music Mission Kiev, was that what it was called? They, they set up here one time and, and played, and then there was another time they were here before. But I know on one of those trips they came, they talked about how when they were part of the Soviet Union, you know, everything was close to Christianity. There was nothing. But as soon as it opened up, they got to hear and play music that they had never heard before. And it has been an impression on me ever since, since they said it. But they said they heard uh, Hallelujah from Handel's Messiah for the first time. And their response was, why was this kept from us? This is, this is beautiful. This is glorifying God. Why was this kept from us? So God is doing something in the Ukraine, I believe so. And I believe he's going to turn the hand of the Russians back away from them. And do you know that the president, his grandfather, filed 
Okay. Well, no, I didn't know that. Well, definitely, definitely a lot of prayer there. God's got a large army. It's just, unfortunately, some countries that are in the secret service. Uh, we need to pray for the Christians, not only in Ukraine, but Russia. And I keep thinking, you know, I hope that they get to keep ministering to people because I, I think Brother Clayton said that Nina, did he tell his Sunday that their Bible study was the best attended it had ever been because of all this? You know, the church is going to, going to grow and uh, the church in Russia I hope it grows and that cut me to the heart I don't remember my last count of Bibles but I'm thinking as many as I have, and there's people in the world that don't have one. And, and I'm not sure this sin relief, they are probably distributing Bibles there. So again, if that's something you want to contribute to, what I understand, 100% of it that's designated for Ukraine goes to that mission field. So keep that. Did you have something?
Yeah, that's the thing about uh, cemeteries and prisons. They're not much to a Christian, are they? And it, Herod may have known of the other times the Christians had escaped. He, he could have been fearing well, God's going to come and break him out. And he thought 16 troops was enough. Get real, Herod. That's, we're talking about God here. You know, yeah. Very good observations. I, I appreciate when we have good uh, discussion. Yeah. Yeah, it's just right after that. Yeah. Right after that, Herod is, is on the balcony, and the people are praising him as a god, and he does not deny it. And God strikes him dead. It's not makes him sick and he lays on a bed for a month, he's dead immediately. And is he the one the worms eat up? Yeah. I don't, I don't want to be worm food. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So here he had persecuted the church, then he tried to be God himself. God dealt with him. Be very careful. Yeah, uh, chapter 11, verse 29, Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. And here we're talking about an organization called Sin Relief. I mean... Yeah, find the info for that, and we can we can pass that along through the bulletin. All right. Anybody else tonight? Got anything? Okay. I used to get so mad at Haley. There'd be a storm coming. And I'd say, let's go to the basement. She said, I'm just going to sit here and watch TV. If I get blown away, I get blown away. And it just used to, that, I thought, but I'm seeing, huh? Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing more and more that, you know, maybe, maybe that's right. And, but, you know, Jesus slept through the storm. He was on the boat and he was asleep. And I, let's use this as a closing thought tonight. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. Jesus took naps. Be more like Jesus. All right. And we'll close with that. <laughs>